You're in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. You know, in the old days, we used to get promotional emails for porn sites and things like that. Now, maybe Randall doesn't see this from Canada. Invariably, I see promotions for food delivery services like DoorDash and Postmates and Uber Eats. And they each will give me either free delivery. I have a $30 coupon from Uber Eats. So if I ever order for delivery, rather than have to go to the restaurant and endanger my life because half the people aren't wearing masks, then I can say. But then the trick is that in addition to the cost of the food, which is often higher for delivery services, because they have to pay a part of it to the delivery service, you then have to pay a delivery charge. So the $30 savings may not be much of a savings. So David Halpern, being that you live in North Carolina, do you have food delivered to you? Do you just cook or what? No, we go out and shop and cook. Do you like bagels? I love bagels. So does Gene. He's got like this really great bagel place down there. And every time he talks about it, it makes me want to go there and try it. Do you get really good bagels where you are in North Carolina? David? Yeah, well, we've got Brugers, and they do a really good job. But since the pandemic started, I've been shy about going in there. And I just pick up, I think it's Thomas Bagels, when I, when I do the grocery shopping. Thomas has really good cinnamon raisin bagels. A lot of the bagels, cinnamon raisin that you get from the delis, they don't include enough raisins. Also, Sara Lee is very good. Why are we doing this? They're not paying for advertising. Because bagels vaguely resemble UFOs, right? Okay, they have so. the donut-shaped bagel, which is connected with certain religions, right? Or is that a stereotype? I, I'm not sure. You know, and so somewhere along the way, the bagel became the symbol for UFOs. And now, you know, it's just all some sort of collective consciousness realization of our need to uh, survive and eat food. Well, let's hope this pandemic, this siege, will be over before too much longer. Well, the problem, of course, is we can have the argument, the debate, but there are people who don't believe it exists. It's fake news. It never happened. But, you know, we don't want to get into that. Let's instead look at the topic that we brought you on for, because it was related to your blogs. There's always something fascinating in your blogs, David Halpern, and that is UFOs in the Bible. The obvious connection here is the possibility that extraterrestrials visited us during those times. Why are we so fascinated with that? Does it impact our religious conceptions or what? Well, on the one hand, it would support our religious ideas and that it shows that the Bible was true after all. It's just that we have to interpret it scientifically rather than metaphysically. But on the other hand, it completely undercuts them. Because if God drives a flying saucer, as one of the ancient astronauts theorists put it, then God is no longer God. That is a really good point, and also a really good book that you alluded to there. Uh, I'm not sure if we're talking about the same one by R. L. Dion. God Drives a Flying Saucer is the title. An excellent little book, actually. 
I have to admit, I have not read that one. Well, that is just so synchronistic. And we were talking about that on our recent 15th anniversary episode with Timothy Green Beckley, how these synchronicities come up. And I thought, you know, today we're having David Halpern on, and I know we're talking about religion. I've got to find that book, God Drives a Flying Saucer. And then you, never even having heard <laughs> of the book, uh, you know, say the title right on yeah. – on, uh, at the first part of the show, I, I think that's just absolutely uh, excellent. No, I mean, I knew of the book. I have not Oh, okay. Read it. Ah, all right then. Well, then, so much for synchronicities. All in our minds. Are UFOs all in our mind? I think so. I think so. I think they're stimulated by things that we see outside us. Goodyear blimps, the planet Venus, whatever. But I think that the UFO proper, that which gives it its unidentified quality, comes from within us. Where I would demur would be if someone were to say to me, it's only in our minds. I think in our minds is something vast. And if the UFO is a visitor from our own inner space, then that is something that has to be paid attention to. Well, obviously, the things that we worry about with a theory like that is a sighting that includes a radar aspect, a simultaneous yes. radar visual sighting, such yes. as the ones being reported by the Navy that have gotten so much publicity or the 1952 or possible trace evidence. How can something that's in our minds, whatever the cause, leave trace evidence? Yeah, that is a problem. And a further problem is where more than one person sees it. And that, to me, is the most intriguing problem because it goes beyond UFOs. Now, I don't know how to answer the radar arguments. I think we would have to recognize that there, although we focus on the cases where radar and visual observations reinforce each other, there are cases where people see things that don't appear on radar, where radar blips occur and nobody sees anything there. So I would at least consider the possibility that the intersection of the two is coincidence. The trace cases, the one that baffles me most is Socorro. And I really have no good answer for that. Then are we saying there is the existence here of two separate phenomenons we have the internal phenomenon, the collective unconscious, but then possibly, just possibly, we have another cause for the physical UFOs that do leave some evidence of their physicality in terms of being photographed, in terms of being seen on radar, etc. That is certainly a possibility. It's not one that I care to spend time with, that I would prefer to say that simply that there are some loose ends, that not every mystery is solved because not every clue survives. 
And I think if we look back over the past 70-odd years of ufology, we will find very few of those genuinely puzzling cases, whether trace or whether radar. The multiple witness cases, I think, are more common and for me more intriguing. So, I mean, when I was a teenager, as Gene, you and I both were many, many years ago. Many thousands of years ago. This is not just five decades or five and a half decades now. It is like 4,000 years ago, just to be explicit and accurate. We're kidding. Anyway, we're talking about UFOs, UFOs in the Bible, lots of other subjects with an old dear friend of mine, David Halpern. We crossed paths back when we were teenagers. And we've been in touch on and off over the years since then. And as our listeners know, our episode last week was a 15th anniversary episode where we had Tim Beckley and Jerome Clark and Alan Greenfield will be on soon. And when I add David, Alan, Tim, and Jerry, it's people I've known for over 200 years. And it seems like only yesterday. This is really memory lane. (laughs) <laughs> More to come with Gene Randall and David. You're in the Paracast. Hey, listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about after the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, the Paracast dot plus. Prices are just dollar fifty a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out the Paracast dot plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. The following is a paid announcement. The advertiser was paid a marketing fee for a digital campaign. Please make sure to review our disclaimer on our report page. The time is now to capitalize on the electronic health data security in the American market. Electronic health data security is an industry that could potentially grow to around $25.5 billion a year. Global big data in healthcare was a $14 billion market in 2018 and could potentially grow at a combined annual growth rate of 20% to reach $42.8 billion over the next four years. Find out which companies are leading the charge now when you text the word now to 48542 for your free research from Avid Health Sector Insights. We've identified an undervalued company that could be positioned to benefit from the electronic health security boom in the U.S. markets. Get this red-hot intelligence delivered directly to your mobile device so you can make decisions as market conditions change. Get your report now when you text now to 48542. Text the word now to 48542 for your free research from Health Sector Insights. Text the word now to 48542. Do you want to give you and your loved ones premium nutrition right now? Hi, I'm Jamel Bookaboo from TeamGaday.com and the GCN Longevity Health Team. Get your premium nutrition formulated by world-renowned naturopathic doctor, Dr. Joel Wallach at Wholesale, or also become a distributor and earn income while supporting this broadcast. 
Go to teamgaday.com via the shopping cart or contact form and I'll get back to you with support personally. That's teamgaday.com with longevity. Teamgaday.com. Hi, this is Dr. Joel Wallach, the mineral doctor. You've heard me talk about 90 for life for years. 60 minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, 2 fatty acids. You may not know this, that I've actually designed Arthur decks for animals. That's right. Your pets need 90 for life too. Get this essential pet product by calling 877-279-9422. That's 877-279-9422. Again, 877-279-9422. Hi, this is Dr. Joel Wallach, the mineral doctor. You've heard me talk about 90 for life for years. 60 minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, 2 fatty acids. You may not know this, that I've actually designed Arthur decks for animals. That's right. Your pets need 90 for life too. Get this essential pet product by calling 877-279-9422. That's 877-279-9422. Again, 877-279-9422. Frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNloans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNloans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNloans.com. That's GCNloans.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Now, some people suggest here that the UFO phenomenon, at least the stuff that leaves some kind of physical indication that it's real, left us a long time ago. And therefore, any sightings since then have other causes, possibly the internal cause that you speak about, David Halperin. So is that really part of it that, yeah, there was a real UFO phenomenon at one time, but it's long ago, far away, and it's not really so much worth our attention anymore? I mean, it's certainly a... uh a thinkable position. It's not one that I would hold, though. I would keep on harping on the idea that not every mystery, not every problem can be solved. I don't know what happened in Socorro in April of 1964, but consider how very rare a case like Socorro is over the 73-year history of UFOs. Now, when in those prehistoric times when we were young ufologists, I would have said that if there is a real, that, that a real core to the phenomenon, a real core to all these sightings, even if it's a tiny percentage of them, proves that there's something real. Now I'm much more inclined to ask why, if we're being visited by beings from outer space or whatever, are those incidents so infrequent? And they were infrequent back then. Wouldn't that seem more logical, though, that for being visited by extraterrestrials, they wouldn't be all over the place. They would pick and choose their surveillance of this planet. They wouldn't just send out 10,000 spaceships. 
What do you mean by picking and choosing? You mean that they... I mean that they're not every place when they do engage in surveillance where they might be seen. They do it sparingly. It's not like, oh, there's 10,000 sightings a year. And you don't think that in 73 years we would have more than this sprinkling of, of puzzling incidents? Honestly, I don't know. Honestly, I have no idea. We can have all sorts of theories. Now, Randall is suggesting that many of the UFOs we see, we're just seeing something that conceals the real appearance of this phenomenon for our benefit or because we can't see it any other way. When I talk about that, what I'm usually talking about is that we're still dealing with technology and something objectively real that uh, uses something called active camouflage, which would allow it to take whatever shape it wants in terms of a visual appearance. So we may not know exactly what it looks like at all. And if we combine that with the idea that they're observing our planet for the sake of some sort of experimentation, particularly to test our psychology and our psyche to see how we react to these various kinds of stimuli, then that could explain a lot. But this is completely different than what you're talking about, David. And I know that. So I don't think that you rule out that there's a possibility that that might be the case. But it it is very different from what you and I have talked about on past episodes and your concept of what is going on when people have the experience of seeing a UFO or having the UFO experience, abductions, and so on. Yes, for me, the essential question is the human question. What does the UFO mean to those who see it, to those who believe in it, to those who mock it and debunk it? Exactly. Now, earlier, you know, I, I like to kid around a little bit. And, and, you know, I'm people who have heard the show and know me know that, you know, that's what I do. But if we wanted to dive in a little bit deeper right away and return to a, a couple of the things we talked about just a little bit earlier, this idea that God drives a flying saucer. Now, on your website at davidhalpern.net, you have a piece called UFO and the Bible, Real Ancient Aliens Evangelical Ufology. Now, that's there's, there's a lot in that title alone. Yeah. But in it, you say, if God drives a flying saucer, as the title of the 1969 book cited by Hammer and Swartz has it, then to all intents and purposes, God has ceased to be God. Now, this is a pretty deep question then, and... One that there's a lot of contention about. What exactly do we mean by God, then, in this case? I think we mean an entity that totally transcends the universe that is governed by scientific law. Okay, that that would seem to sort of be self-contradictory if God created the universe and he would have created these scientific laws which govern it, in which case being the source of the science that the governs the laws, right? I mean, I don't think we can have it both ways there, right? 
Yeah. I mean, I think of what Spinoza somewhere remarked, that if we believe in miracles, we're in danger of falling into atheism. Because miracles undermine the faith in the absolute lawfulness of the cosmos, which is, for Spinoza, the essential proof of God. Now, I think Spinoza was talking tongue-in-cheek, because I think when believers talk about God, they talk about a being who, having made these laws, can flout them at will. Exactly, and and that's one of those contradictions that I, I will like to point out to people, or I do point out to people who are very religious, is, is that if there is a God, then should that God not also be subject to the same rules as he or she himself or herself make? And and then you you think, well, logically, no. I mean, you know, God can't say, well, I can do this on one day and it's good, and on another day it's bad, it's just, or evil. So the, the God is isn't exempt from the rules. It's a it's a title. It's a, of a figurehead of a religious hierarchy. It seems to me that anything can be a god. It just it, all it takes is someone to deify it. Right. I mean, that's all God is. It's the deification of something or idea. Well, it, wouldn't that statement itself presuppose there is no God in objective reality? Exactly. It would, it would mean that uh, there may very well be a universe creator, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we should deify it. Hey, guys, so, we're going to do a break here, and then we'll get back. We have David Halperin, and the primary topic is UFOs in the Bible, about whether the phenomena reported in the Bible was not divine, but something generated perhaps by an intelligent species from where? More to come with David, Gene, and Randall. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Power grid failures and natural disasters, they happen too often now. Will financial collapse be next? What kind of emergency plan do you have for the next sudden food shortage? If you don't, it's time to prepare. At MyPatriotSupply.com, we make it easy for you. Our emergency food storage kits stay fresh for up to 25 years. They ship fast and discreetly to your door. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com to prepare. MyPatriotSupply.com Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs generator and lung delivery system at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com. USA Radio News with Dan Naraki. 
A new poll shows that confidence in coronavirus vaccines is growing among Americans. The Pew Research poll released Friday said that 69% of Americans polled said they had either received at least one shot of COVID vaccine or they intended to when they could. That's up from a November poll where 60% said they had wanted the shot. Dr. Marty McCary is a professor of public health at Johns Hopkins University and tells Fox News that once people see a medication at work, they're more likely to adopt it themselves. With any new medication, once it's uh, in use, once people uh, are taking it at large, then people feel comfortable. It's really not fair to ask somebody, would you take a vaccine that's not yet been FDA authorized, which is what the surveys were to date. Now the number of people who are absolutely refusing to take the vaccine in surveys is around 13%. So we're doing much, much better. Dr. McCary also reminds people that it takes up to four weeks after vaccination to develop strong protections against the virus. They should still take precautions in that period. This is USA Radio News. An Ohio university has suspended one of its fraternities after an alleged hazing incident left a sophomore pledge hospitalized in critical condition. Bowling Green State University has placed its chapter of Pi Kappa Alpha on suspension after a student was hospitalized in an alcohol-related incident. An attorney for the family of 20-year-old Stone Fultz says he is alive while his family works with doctors to donate his organs, and that the hazing incident involved a large amount of alcohol consumed in a short period of time. The university says it's working with law enforcement to investigate the off-campus incident. In a statement, the national chapter of the fraternity said it had a zero-tolerance policy towards hazing of any kind, saying the incident left officials horrified and outraged. And former President Donald Trump promised to travel to Alaska next year to campaign against Republican Senator Lisa Murkowski as she seeks re-election in 2022. In a statement, Trump called Murkowski a disloyal and very bad senator who does not stand up for Alaska. Murkowski was one of seven Senate Republicans to vote to convict President Trump last month in his second impeachment trial. This is USA Radio News. If you are trying to quit drinking or doing too many drugs, listen to me. You don't know me and we'll never meet. I had a problem like you once. I drank and used to party a little too much till it got out of control and almost ruined my life. I realized I needed help to fix my problem before it totally destroyed me. If you've tried to fix your drinking and drug problem and you know you can't do it alone, you need to call the National Treatment Advisors. They'll immerse you into a 30-day program to replace your old habits with new habits and totally change your life. And if you have PPO, private health insurance, the entire program may be covered. Fix your problem right now before it gets any worse. Get clean. Call now and learn more. 800-296-1252. Hey, this is Marie D. Jones, the author of This Book is from the Future. And you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Of course, maybe, David, I don't know if you're a sci-fi fan. You've mentioned this before. But when I think of the presence of possible alien craft in biblical times, I think of the movie Stargate and the TV show Stargate SG-1. Are you familiar with it? No. I have to admit I'm not. Well, the basic movie, which was produced by the same people who brought you Independence Day, where it has James Spader as Dr. Daniel Jackson, who works with finding this giant device in Egypt, which turns out to be a stargate, a device that can be used to travel through wormholes or something, 
and that gets murky, from this planet to another star system, and that it was brought here by this ancient race that pretended to be gods to enslave the people of Earth before they had an uprising. It's based on a basic theory of ancient astronauts, and it became very popular on TV. The, the main series lasted 10 seasons, and then they had another seven or eight seasons from different spin-offs. So we're talking about very popular here. And certainly, though, the raw question to ask you here, David, is even if we were visited by extraterrestrials in those days, and maybe we're still being visited or not, that doesn't mean there's no God. Quite right. Quite right. But surely by explaining the miracles of the Bible, say, as being intervention of extraterrestrials, we undercut any use of the Bible as evidence for God. Well, I think that depends on how we look at the Bible, though. I mean, this goes back to just before the break where, you know, we were saying, well, how do we define God? And ultimately, whatever definition you want to come up with, it doesn't matter. All that matters is that whatever that definition is that you want to use, whether you have decided to deify it or not. And if you don't, then it becomes something you can look at objectively. So, in other words, there very well could be a universe creator that you know, in some way, shape, or form from their reference or frame of reference created the universe and everything else that goes along with it. Some completely you know, top-of-the-pyramid entity of some kind. But unless we decide, okay, I'm going to worship it, I'm going to make it part of a religious belief system, I'm going to place it at the top of this religious belief system, it has not been deified. And therefore, it is not a god. It is just another entity in the universe subject to the same rules of logic and critical thinking as the rest of us. And are we supposing that this entity created the world and that he or she guides it? Well, we could suppose anything. We could suppose that it happens to be the coffee cup on, you know, that you drink your coffee cup. You want to deify it and put it on the table and say, I'm going to worship it from now on. That's your god. If it happens to be some very powerful being that we have no objective proof for, but you believe that to be the case and you deify that, well, that's your God. And, and so the, this whole idea of God comes down to whether or not it has been made into a God by the person's belief system. So we're getting back to driving a flying saucer. Well, certainly, you know, I, I, how does, you know, this God, if you've deified this being that is driving this this device, uh, then that is your God. I, I don't see how it ceases to necessarily be a God because, well, in this article, we're talking about Rael, of course. Now, for those who don't know, he's a an ex-race car driver who claims to have, have met a number of religious deities and uh, conversed with alien beings in a UFO in France and created a religion around this. So he has a flying saucer that they appeared in and transmitted all of this information to him, and he's become the, the leader of this group. So, so there you go. If people deify that, well, I guess that's your god, right? Well, let's take the god driving the flying saucer. Suppose the flying saucer malfunctions. What happens to the god who drives it? 
then you have a God that, that is fallible and is not necessarily omniscient or omnipowerful. But not all gods are. I mean, in pluralistic religions, there's, there's many different gods with many different powers, some of which can overcome the powers of other gods. So, this whole idea of God, it, 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 it's, it's about people's belief systems. It's not about necessarily what the objective case is. If God is like that, though, then he becomes, as you suggest, one among a possible pantheon of gods. This is not the way at least monotheists usually envision their deity. Well, no, there you just used you know you just used the word deity again. Like, yeah. If you, if, let's 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 take the word deity out of it and substitute it for this isn't the way that that monists view the entity that they have placed at the top of their religious hierarchy. Because even in that system, there's a religious hierarchy. There's God, and then below God, there's angels, and below angels, there's prophets, and below prophets, there's popes. And, it, you know, it's all pretty obvious to me how it all shakes out. I'm, I'm not sh- sure why it's such a big mystery to so many people. Anytime a more primitive race is visited by a more advanced race, that more advanced race could be perceived as God's. That's not unusual. Again, we're not presupposing there is no God. We're trying to account for a lot of different things and trying to find explanations. They may not be, and part of it may be, and this is another question that David can maybe answer as part of his response to Randall, knowing what of the Bible is an accurate presentation of historical events, how much of it is myths and allegories? David? I think it includes a great deal of both. I mean, start with the third chapter of Genesis, where Adam and Eve disobey God's command and are thrown out of Eden. To me, that is very clearly a myth. And yet its power is precisely in that it is a myth, and that it conveys all sorts of truths, not about an ancestor of ours, who lived several thousand years ago, or two ancestors, a great-great-great-grandfather and a great-great-grandmother, who lived thousands of years ago, but understanding about ourselves, about what it means to reach maturity, what role sex plays in that, what role moral discernment plays in that, And the more you read the third chapter of Genesis from that perspective, the more profound and the truer it is. And yet, it is a myth. Adam and Eve never existed. The God who commanded them and then ejected them never existed. And I think it's one of the great goals in reading the Bible to understand the truths that it teaches about us as human beings without denying that it is a myth or that many things in it are myths. That is exactly what I I was getting at with this, is that it's not as important that we see, well, maybe for some people, importance is a subjective thing. So for, but for the sake of our discussion here, it's not necessarily as important that we accept that there is an objective 
real entity out there in the universe that carries this this title of God. It's that why people give it the title of God that makes it interesting. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. But I would ask you, Randall, now, once we choose that mode of approaching the scriptures, does that not render all talk about ancient astronauts irrelevant? We're going to break now. We have David, Gene, and Randall. You're in. The Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Are you curious about what might be missing from your diet and supplement choices? Take a free health assessment to identify your possible nutrient deficiencies. As a certified holistic health coach, I will help you assess and prioritize a supplement program based on Dr. Wallach's recommendations. Call Linda at 833-VITAL90. That number to call is 833-848-2590. That's 833-VITAL90. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs generator and lung delivery system at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com. Now with orders to stay at home, public health concerns, the reality of illness due to pathogens and viruses. Your health is at an all-time high risk. That's why it's critical to take a proactive approach to boost your immune system. You can with new nano-colloidal silver from AmeriCare. Our patented process with tiny silver particles, one one-hundredth the size of a red blood cell, allows for maximum body absorption. AmeriCare's nano-colloidal silver effectively disinfects your body internally, attacking pathogens and viruses while supercharging your immune system. Colloidal silver is antibacterial and antiviral. Simply put, it prohibits bacterial respiration, suffocating viral cells, preventing the virus from replicating. And now, due to public health concern, AmeriCare is authorized to offer our lowest and best price ever, around a dollar a day. But supplies are limited. Purchase nano-colloidal silver now at ImmuneSupportNow.com. That's ImmuneSupportNow.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Supplies are limited. 
The old way of living with diabetes is a pain. You've got to remember to do your testing, and you always need to be sticking your fingers. The new way to live your life with diabetes is with a continuous glucose monitor. You simply apply a discreet, easy-to-use sensor on your body, and it continuously monitors your glucose levels, helping you spend more time in range and freeing you from painful finger pricks. If you test your blood sugar at least four times per day and inject insulin at least three times per day or use an insulin pump and have private insurance or medication, care, you might be eligible for a CGM with little or no cost to you. Call U.S. Medical Supply today for a free benefits check. We offer free shipping, 90-day supplies, and we bill Medicare or your insurance directly. Call now and say goodbye to finger pricks. 800-880-1896. 800-880-1896. 800-880-1896. That's 800-880-1896. Hello, this is John Burroughs, one of the witnesses to the Rendlesham UFO incident. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Returning to the end of the previous segment there, where you were asking the question that if we choose to look at at the, the Bible and other uh, religious texts as uh, as myth, then it seems to undermine the value of them as historical accounts of alien visitation or ancient astronauts. And I I'm not so sure that that's the case. I I think that people do have these experiences, regardless of what they are, and that. Because of the extraordinary nature of those experiences and no way for them, the experiencer, that is, to be able to put them into their own, fit them into their own worldview, they became seen as transcendent of that worldview and that made it very easy for them to deify them. Okay, now you're, I, I feel you moving into my position. Randall, that people have transcendent experiences, not that they are contacted by creatures as mortal as ourselves, but from another galaxy, but rather that there's something from within ourselves that we perceive as transcendent and that we label as God. And so much in the Bible can be understood that way without invoking any physical visitors from outer space or anywhere else. This is really interesting because on our previous episode, we had Jerome Clark and Timothy Green Beckley on and we got talking about this, and, and I prepared a question here, so I'm just going to read it out. It's, it's a little bit lengthy, but it speaks right to the heart of this idea, I believe. And so we're diving in pretty deep here, listeners, uh, <laughs> with David today. So during an RNS interview with Yonet Shimron titled, Why UFOs Tell Us More About Life on Earth Than Outer Space, you're quoted as saying that UFOs are about transcending boundaries. And I find this 
particularly interesting in the wake of our 15th anniversary interview with Jerome Clark and Timothy Green Beckley, during which time Jerry and I attempted to dig a little deeper into his idea that when we're dealing with the really high strangeness aspects of UFOs, like altered perceptions of time or being floated through walls in a shimmering blue light, that perhaps we're no longer dealing with material craft and entities, but something that he doesn't have an explanation for that transcends the idea of alien visitation. So this idea that there's an aspect to these phenomena, which he sees as real, but not necessarily exclusive to our frame of reality, can be seen as an attitude that fits with the idea of transcending the typical interstellar hypothesis. Yeah. Yeah. I think where, where Jerry and I where Jerry and I differ is fundamentally that I'm a reductionist and Jerry is not. That both of us will acknowledge transcendent experiences but I want to reduce them to the psyche of the experiencer, whereas Jerry finds that inadequate. And if Jerry's listening, I hope he will excuse me if I'm saying anything to distort his position. Oh, yeah. It's, there, it's a position that's not particularly easy to wrap one's head around is when you're trying to get a clear idea of what Jerry is talking about. But I find his idea really quite interesting with this. And in a way, it fits with your idea as well. It's like you've both got a similar approach to this. And when you say, well, you're a reductionist and Jerry isn't, I'm not sure what Jerry would call himself. But the opposite, of course, would be an emergentist. So we've we've got this idea that from nature... will emerge something that is transcendent. And for yourself, you believe it can be reduced down or broken down into elements of our psychological nature. Now, now does that include the idea that, well, our psyche and our brain, our personality, are all brain, well, are all neuro-based, neurologically based, physically based? I don't know. I don't know. In a way, what I am transferring the mystery from the outside to the inside, that there are things going on within us, things that emerge from within us that we experiencing our, we experience ourselves as encountering that are genuinely unknown and unidentified. So, when I reduce it to us, I am not saying there is no mystery here. I'm saying if we are to make sense of the mystery, we have to keep our eyes focused within. What would that place that is within be called? Are you referring to consciousness itself or some aspect of our consciousness, or can, can you give us a clearer picture there? Well, Jung called it the collective unconscious, but I don't think we understand it better when we attach a label to it. All we do is recognize that there is something 
that is essentially human, but that seems to transcend the individual human. And I mean, we find something of this sort in the UFO, the, the, the UFO record continually, where multiple people experience much the same thing, I think very often through unconscious communications of one kind or another. And they experience it as something wholly alien to them. When we say wholly alien, then we're not talking about alien as in, oh, I just saw an alien like a little gray or something from another planet. We're, we're just using the word in a very general sense there that means something that is beyond their experience. Something that I perceive as other than my normal conscious self. But I believe that all of us, you and I, are greater than our normal conscious selves. Let me throw out this because we're talking about in, internal experiences. And I've heard several cases of this already. Like we had a guest on, an abductee named Tom Warner, who, and this is not the only case, met somebody aboard a spaceship during a, an abduction that he later communicated with after that episode was over. We had another guest, Denise Stoner, who wrote a book with Kathleen Martin, whom I know you are aware of. Yes. And in that particular case, Denise met, again, another individual aboard the spaceship during this abduction experience. They exchanged contact information, and after it was over... They got in contact with each other. They had never met prior to that. They weren't aware of each other's existence. How do we explain that? I don't know. And I would have to, we would have to explore the relationships of these people. We would have to explore the extent to which their memory functions properly. We have, would have to explore to what extent they may have unconsciously colluded in creating a memory. These are all possibilities. Right, but we have a situation here where taking the facts at face value. You think you're being abducted. You meet somebody, a total stranger, and you say, let's exchange information. And then you get in touch with each other after the experience is over. So the question being here, if those details are accurate, they didn't know each other. There was no way they could have met. But suddenly, the experience gives them the information they need to contact one another. How do we figure that out? And again, it's a, obviously, it's a question of, are the memories accurate? Is it possible they've met each other under different circumstances and simply were not aware of it? I mean, we can have different answers. And David, in our next segment, I'm going to ask you what you might think. This is the thing that, of course confounds Jerry Clark, too. He's trying to say that abductions are internal experiences, and then we have the X Factor. More to come with David, Gene, and Randall. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners. 
I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Tehebo Tea Club's original Pure Pau Arco Super Tea helps build the red corpuscles in the blood which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop and cancer dies in oxygen. So the tea is great for healthy people and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. A one-pound package of tea is $34.95 plus shipping. To order, please visit shopsupertea.com. That's shop, S-H-O-P, super, S-U-P-E-R-T-T-E-A dot com. So the complete website is shopsupertea.com or call us at 818-984-6100, Monday through Saturday, 9 to 5 California time. That's shopsupertea.com at 818-984-6100. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So David Halperin, obviously I gave some fuzz factors there that maybe they did know each other before and didn't realize it. They encountered each other during the course of being interested in UFOs. That could have happened. But otherwise, it does put a wrench into these theories. Yeah. Yeah. I would say it is baffling. It is perplexing. Well, not if you if you go with, with what you were saying there, though, about the idea of a collective unconscious. It, depending on just how, I guess, how detailed that collective unconscious experience is, then... It's sort of like telepathy almost. Everybody's mind is out there in this place where they can meet one another. And if you happen to retain that information like you might from a waking dream and come back from that, then why shouldn't the information match up? Well, does this presuppose telepathy? Technically speaking, it kind of fits the description. I mean, a collective unconscious would be a telepathic communication between everybody else at a subconscious level. Yeah, I don't think necessarily, at least the way I understand the collective unconscious, that it's a sort of wiring that we all inherit in our brains to come up with, that leads us to come up with certain archetypal images, certain archetypal stories, 
one of these images being the mandala, the circle, which is not a great shape for aerodynamic travel, but is an excellent shape for a psychic projection of wholeness. Oh, interesting. Okay, so I've taken this collective unconscious idea to a completely different level then than you have. You, So for you then, it's more like an imprint in each individual that exists below our conscious threshold that is kind of hardwired into us in a way that manifests itself in a conscious way in these various archetypes. Whereas I'm looking at it as a collective in the sense that it's like a group experience. It's not at that level. It's a group experience. It's not an individual experience. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, to, to me, the most baffling case really is the miracle of the sun at Fatima, Portugal in October 1917, where a crowd of something like 70,000 sees the sun fall to earth. Now, what is excluded is that what they saw actually happened, since we all know the sun cannot possibly fall to earth. Now, how is it that that crowd all sees it? And I don't know. I, I guess sim- most simply put, if we think of our, our brain then as a computer, right, then for me, I was looking at collective unconsciousness as we're all networked on an unconscious level. For you, it's like, no, we're not all networked on an unconscious level, but we all have similar programming that kicks in at an unconscious level. Yeah. Very I- interesting. Very, this is, this is a, a kind of a new revelation to me in the way of looking at collective unconscious. Yeah, which I don't think will explain Fatima, and maybe I will have to accept your understanding of it, if I want to do that. I will tell you why I'm so reluctant to go with telepathy, and that is, I cannot conceive, given that really top-notch scientific minds, for at least 150 years, have been trying to demonstrate in the laboratory the existence of telepathy, I cannot conceive that after that long time, it would still be a subject of controversy, if in fact it were real. Now, I know there are some top-notch researchers like Dean Radin, who have done extremely (laughs) careful Uh, experiments and think that these demonstrate the existence of telepathy as an extremely faint force as long as it's not augmented by trauma and I respect their work but I keep coming back to surely it could have been it would have been demonstrated by this time, if it were real. We would think so. And, and yet there's, it's, it's sort of like the UFO phenomena itself, in that 
we should be able to do the same thing with it. And yet it seems to be eluding us on that level as well. I mean, we get these, these hints and these trace cases, but you know, where's that real craft? You know, it, it hasn't landed there so that we can go and have a tour of it. And it's so, yeah. And the other thing is that if this tel- telepathy or this communication, this networking is taking place on a subconscious level, we'll never get a conscious uh, set of, you know, something, to look at consciously and objectively, that evidence just will never happen. It, we might get something out of an MRI that says something is going on in people's brains, and we do have that, but we don't know that that correlates for sure to an ex- the experience of having some sort of telepathic communication. So it's kind of like the evidence, getting the objective evidence negates itself because of the way that the situation is. What I hear you saying is that the tools that we have to try to establish telepathy cannot do that, cannot achieve that because of the way they're designed. Am I hearing you right? Well, sort of. I mean, if if we're talking about telepathy as a subconscious, in terms of the collective unconscious being sort of like a subconscious networking of of our minds, if it's subconscious, we can never consciously experience it. It precludes itself from conscious evaluation, right? And the only way we can experience it is is subconsciously, unless you have these times, these sort of rare times that we can't seem to control very well, where it's like a lucid dreaming experience or something, where it just bubbles to the surface and we have this moment or this flash or there, there's some way of accessing it that we don't yet understand. I'm open to that. I'm open to that. I mean, if you, I you probably, you've probably never experienced anything telepathic, I, I guess, but um, I have in the past. This is really interesting. I don't talk about this a lot, but I've had one of those archetypal experiences where it was literally like the voice of God coming down from the mountain. And it was definitely as real as everything else, I was completely awake. I had no, I was under the no influence of any kind of mind-altering substances or anything. I was young and healthy and had my wits about me. And it was one of the most amazing experiences I have ever had. And it wasn't as if this this voice in this case that was speaking to me was simply in my head. It felt as though it was all around me and filled the the forest as well it was really quite amazing is there was there anything okay i've had amazing at least one amazing experience too which i can tell you about oh but please do but let, let me let's stick with yours for a for a moment is there anything in that experience that would necessarily require anything beyond the conventional scientific understanding of the human body and mind i've i've i I don't think so but i mean i think neuroscientists might disagree they may say that you know there, there may have been some random unexplained chemical basis for the way that my neurons behave that 
caused me to have this particular kind of an experience, just like maybe some people that do DMT do or something else. Let's do our break here. We've got David, Gene, and Randall. You're in the Paracast. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. The stress levels of Americans may be at an all-time high. From education to business to basic needs to politics, the 2020 pandemic-related stressors are pushing many of us to near breaking point. That's why you should consider the stress and pain-relieving products from sunny-bay.com. Like our lavender neck wraps and pads infused with premium Washington lavender buds. They relieve tension and relax with a soothing scent of lavender. And lifestyle expert Jennifer Bonner recommends products from Sunny Bay. Sunny Bay's hands-free neck wrap should be your go-to pain relief solution. Give gifts to family and friends that relieve stress and pain. Give love and care by giving the best. Give pillows, neck wraps, and body wraps from sunny-bay.com, a Biomed DB design company. Just click sunny-bay.com. That's sunny-bay.com. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. Attention real estate investors. Do you need cash immediately? If you own one or multiple rental properties, you can use your equity to get cash out fast. The best part is we don't need tax returns or even a good credit score. At America's Loan Source, we are not a bank and we don't have bank rules. We make the decisions to loan you money and there's no limit how much we can give you. Some clients have gotten as much as $500,000 or more within days. Use the money any way you you want if you own one rental property or a hundred and COVID has left you in a cash crunch we can help you turn your equity into fast cash call now for details and close in as little as 10 days and get the cash you need 800-507-6553 800-507-6553 that's 800-507-6553 
No other network provides the level of customer service we do. When it comes to radio advertising, we are your one-stop shop. And no matter how big or small your business is, we can help. Email us and advertise at GCNlive.com. And an experienced advertising executive will help you take the first step towards driving more customers to your business or website. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Okay, so if we use the filter differently, you can sound like one of those system lord creatures with the glowing eyes on Stargate SG-1. Any case... Randall, go on to continue to interpret that experience you're telling us about. Yeah, David had asked if there was any aspect about my experience that couldn't be explained in conventional ways. And, you know, all all I can say is that the, the brain is a very interesting and complex thing that even neuroscientists don't fully understand. But I imagine that they would say that this happened somehow on a neurological level. But I don't think any of them could explain it. I've I've tried. I've I've looked. I I think there was some external cause. I think I don't believe it was purely internal. I think there was a causal factor to this that was objective and external to myself. And at the time, I believed in God for years after that. I believed I could communicate with this entity for quite some time and until eventually continuing to do other research and looking at it in a way that due to the discussion I had with this entity, if you can call it that, led me to the conclusion that it wasn't God. That's where we got into our talk earlier about the whole idea of deification. And it's kind of ironic that this experience that led me to believe in God was actually the same experience that talked me out of the belief in God. I'd be interested if you could go over that a little bit more. Well, we had a discussion. Like I, <laughs> I was by myself, of course. I was out in the middle of nature in Glacier National Park. There's some background to this. I'm not sure I want to get into okay. the details of that, but it, it had to do with, and, and you would probably appreciate this, me at the time thinking that I would, okay, I'll just say this. I don't know. I've never done this before on the air, but uh, I was contemplating suicide because I'd figured that I had lived a really good life up to that point. I couldn't think of any reason to keep on living. I wasn't entirely sad. I wasn't depressed or anything like that. I just thought, you know, the biggest problem with the world is people. There's too many of them. And I've had a good life. The biggest favor I could do the planet right now is to just disappear and become, go back and become one with nature. One thing, Randall, (laughs) how old were you when this happened? I was in my early 20s. Okay. All right, so so you were at 22, 23? mm Mm-hmm. Quite a time for one to consider offing themselves. Now, you you consider this, obviously you're still here. Yes. I think. And 
Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's a whole other question, too, because the universe is a pretty interesting place. But the point is here is that, you know, I wasn't doing this out of any self-pity or loathing or sadness or anything else. In fact, I was quite happy about the decision. And it was that day I was going to go up to one of the glaciers and I was going to, you know, kind of slide down into a crevasse somewhere and, and kind of, you know, become frozen. And in my mind, I thought, well, maybe I'll come out in you know, in a couple of hundred years, like, you know, in a block of ice and they'll thaw me out and I'll be like, you know, one of those things you see on the cover of the Weekly World News. Or you might become Buck Rogers. Exactly. Something like this. Right. And so you know, this was just how I was looking at it. And I was saying up to the universe, you know, if there is a God, well, I don't know. But, you know, if there is one, I'll be happy to see you soon because this is was the plan. And and that's when it happened. Everything in the forest went silent, first of all. Oh, wow. And then everything started to glow with kind of an aura around it, a slight aura, like every leaf on every tree, everything around me started to, to glow slightly. It was daytime, right? So then this voice that seemed to come from everywhere, and, and that's what I mean. It wasn't just in my head. It seemed to come from everywhere and go completely through me as well as around me just said, you don't have to do that. And that's when I started the conversation with it. And so I, I know that to people, this is going to sound like way out there and that I'm just making this up. But it's I swear every word of this is true. And it is, was one of the most amazing experiences that I have ever had. And so I asked, well, you know, the first thing was like, God, right? Like, am I talking with God? And and it just said, well, you can call me that. It didn't confirm or deny. And wow. And I said, well, what do you mean I don't have to do that? And which church should I go to? I mean, now that I know that there's a God, which religion should I follow? I guess I better start going to church. And And that this voice said, it's not important what church you go to. It's only important that you take the good from life and apply it wherever you find it. And so we had this conversation that went on like that. By the end of it, uh, it, it left me, well, alive, for one thing, and contemplating the rest of the conversation. But by looking at that first statement in that it just says, well, it's not important which church you go to. It's more important that you take the good from life wherever you find it. I started thinking, well, what does that mean? What is the good? What is good from life? And why is it not necessary to go to a church? And after a while, it all started to shake down. Well, this idea of God then is based on a principle of goodness, and therefore God cannot be exempt from the rule of goodness. And this is what we started out with at the beginning of the show. As soon as yeah. God does something evil, he's no longer God, right? Yes. So, yes. <laughs> so this is where the the whole concept of a of a deity started to dissolve for me. That I have still not understood. I could see why the experience would convince you that there was a deity. But how would it undermine your belief in a deity. Because it brought me to the realization that we don't have to deify anything in order to 
find the good in the world. Ah, so that the voice was, uh, forgive me if I distort anything and correct me, the voice was a revelatory entity that told you that the good in the world is the prime, let us say, object of devotion. And God becomes an irrelevancy. Well, it wasn't that God's, or, you know, in this, I'm calling it God, or the voice, the entity, whatever this was, the experience. It's not that this experience was irrelevant in any way, shape, or form. Like I say, it's one of the most powerful experiences I have ever had. I am certain, therefore, that I cannot be the only person in history who has ever had some kind of experience like this that has led me through the the extraordinary nature of it to to believe in an entity and call it God. Because for many years afterwards, I did believe it. And I would say to people, yeah, there's a God I know. I've talked to it. So, (laughs) Anyway, let's break. More to come with Randall, Gene, and David. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions, silverlungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs Generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs Generator and Lung Delivery System at silverlungs.com. That's silverlungs.com. Do you want to give you and your loved ones premium nutrition right now? Hi, I'm Jamel Bookaboo from TeamGaday.com and the GCN Longevity Health Team. Get your premium nutrition formulated by world-renowned naturopathic doctor, Dr. Joel Wallach at Wholesale, or also become a distributor and earn income while supporting this broadcast. Go to TeamGaday.com via the shopping cart or contact form, and I'll get back to you with support personally. That's TeamGaday.com with Longevity. TeamGaday.com. USA Radio News with Dan Naraki. The United States set a new record Saturday administering more than 2.9 million COVID vaccinations. Now nearly 88 million Americans have received at least one dose of coronavirus vaccine. Some states have begun to expand their vaccination programs. In Connecticut, all residents 45 and older will begin to be able to receive the shot starting in two weeks. Dr. Marty McCary is a professor at Johns Hopkins University that with vaccination programs accelerating, the U.S. is working its way towards herd immunity. You know, we're doing spectacular with the vaccination program. We've broken through all the goals, vaccinating 2.5 million doses yesterday were administered. And today we hit a record 2.9 million doses were administered. We've got about 22 percent of the U.S. adult population vaccinated in some parts of the country. It's like Alabama and New Mexico. It's one in four adults now have received at least one. So we're doing pretty well. This is USA Radio News. Texas Governor Greg Abbott is taking on big tech political censorship. 
John Clemens reports from the USA Radio News, Texas Bureau. The legislation would help prohibit social media companies from censoring the viewpoints expressed by Texans. Conservative speech will not be canceled in the state of Texas. We need to recognize, in Texas, maybe in particular in Texas, we see that the First Amendment is under assault by these social media companies, and that is not going to be tolerated in Texas. Governor Greg Abbott also said websites like Facebook and Twitter have evolved into a modern-day public square, but said those platforms have begun controlling the flow of information. From the USA Radio News Texas Bureau, I'm John Clemens. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis proposed a similar measure last month, introducing a bill that would fine tech platforms that suspended political candidates. This is USA Radio News. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? $92,000. Ouch. And the IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how did it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. (laughs) I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes... Take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now. 800 503 8625. 800 503 8625. This is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. Okay, so let's dovetail this. You had an experience that may or may not have had some kind of religious connotation. Or could you have met up with E.T. somewhere along the line of whatever force causes UFOs if it is external to us? Therefore, you being a contactee. Exactly. So I started thinking, well, what I don't have to deify then this being. It's, you know, and then it dawned on me when I said, well, you can call me that if you want. Right. And I think this was kind of like, Gene, you've mentioned this before, where it was communicating with me in a way that at that stage in my life, it was sort of the the easiest way for me to understand what was going on. And since then, I've done a lot of maturing. And I came to the the place where, okay, this is an entity or a being. I, it doesn't necessarily have to be given the title of God, but it's certainly something that is very extraordinary and exists yeah. in the world. And therefore, technically, this is something that is alien to most people. You very well could be some kind of an alien. I don't know what or where from, whether it was, you know, one that was from another star system that had these telepathic powers. And this is where it all comes back to this conversation about telepathy before. And this is an, an experience I had where it, this there's no doubt that this occurred. So I'm not sure where else we can go with that, but maybe we should just continue with, with your, I think I've stolen the show here. <laughs> Sorry, David. 
On the contrary, you've given me, certainly, and certainly the listeners, a very great gift, and I'm, I'm very grateful to you for having shared that. I do have certain responses, and I don't know if you want to hear them. Oh, absolutely. Okay, number one, start with the start from the end, that what you perceived was something that was in some way alien, not you. Is that correct? Definitely something external to me, causal. I've got to say, too, and, and I think that this is really important during this pandemic with so many people out there and the rise in suicides. And because this was an experience that happened to me, maybe I'm, I was meant to describe this situation now because of a lot of this. But remember back when I said that the first thing it said is you don't have to do that. And its response was immediately when I asked, I said, why not? And it said, you're more valuable alive. And the truth of that struck me all the way through. It went completely through me because I knew that it was true. If we take a human being and reduce us down to our constituent parts and minerals, we don't add up to much. But together and working and alive, we can do amazing things just simply by being alive and contributing to society. Just by doing something as simple as going to the grocery store and buying groceries, we contribute to our economy and help provide work for other people. We can become a source of inspiration just simply by being alive. Have faith in your life. But back to your question. Um, Sorry, what was it again, David? Well, it was that, okay, I'll tell you where I'm driving with this, which is that I think what is essential in the UFO tradition, not only in 1947 and the following, but in the biblical encounters, like the one that I I, I keep dwelling on is Ezekiel's, the, the sense that this is something alien, something that will not fit conventional categories. And in the 21st, 20th and 21st centuries, the only template we have for what will not fit conventional categories is something extraterrestrial, which is itself a conventional category, but it's the best way we can find of envisioning the alien, envisioning the other, and therefore we say UFOs are ETs, we say Ezekiel encountered ETs, I don't think either is necessary, or that you encountered an ET. What is clear is that you encountered an other, with a capital O. Or I had the experience that I did. Whatever the reason is, it to me it seemed like it was something external, it was real, it was independent of myself, something I could have a conversation with that wasn't didn't seem like it was just my own mind talking back to me. Yeah. And... And yet, you know, maybe it was, and I haven't written this out, there's some sort of a, a an advanced self-preservation, self-defense mechanism that, that kicked in, in, in to compensate for this idea that I had that the world would be a, a better place without me in it. What I find really interesting about this is that, with your ideas, is that here we also have the specter of, of death, 
and and this is something that so and it happened definitely within that context facing our own mortality it also happened in a way that was completely self-sacrificial in other words this is not because i was you know in a lot of fear or i had lost anyone or any sadness or anything else i was actually doing this to sacrifice myself for the betterment of the world and you know that that you know in religious history that this is a theme i don't want to compare myself you know to to other deities but but this is a, a theme that sacrificing oneself for the betterment of others and yeah against the context of one's own mortality has led people to have these experiences. So I find that all really quite extraordinary. And so maybe there is something to what you're saying, because it's, it's a commonality there. Maybe someone else, instead of having that kind of experience as I did, would all of a sudden see a craft in the sky. Yeah, sure. And, you, you know, like, so I, I can't entirely write it off. The mandala, if Jung is right, is the symbol of the integration of opposites. There are many, many situations in which our dilemmas demand that we take things which appear to be opposites and bring them together. I keep thinking of those lines from Schiller, which Beethoven put to magnificent music in the Ninth Symphony, your magic binds together that which custom strictly divides. And that, to me, is in many cases the magic of the UFO. I don't know that that quite applies to your situation, but it has a common factor in that that voice, that I'll call it an entity with a capital E, that entity tells you, told you exactly what you needed to hear and exactly what the world for which you've done so much good needed for you to hear. Well, then again, you know, my analytical mind many years later uh, thinks Okay, so we, we were talking with Martin Willis not long ago, who said that one of the people he talked to, uh, and he had asked, well, why are they here? What are they doing with Earth? Referring to the aliens or these entities, whatever they are. Or maybe we're dealing with two different things. But but he said that Earth, or we, we're like an experiment. He, a Petri dish is what he said. Now, I think that's probably an exaggeration. I think we're a lot more complex than bacteria. And that whatever they are, they probably aren't that far advanced away from us as we are from bacteria. But the idea is, is that if they're advanced enough, that our world, perhaps even our universe, is some sort of an experiment, then having the the subjects of that experiment arbitrarily end their life would be detrimental to the experiment and therefore make us more valuable alive. We've got more to come with Gene, David, and Randall. You're in the Paracast. for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. 
Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Power grid failures and natural disasters, they happen too often now. Will financial collapse be next? What kind of emergency plan do you have for the next sudden food shortage? If you don't, it's time to prepare. At MyPatriotSupply.com, we make it easy for you. Our emergency food storage kits stay fresh for up to 25 years. They ship fast and discreetly to your door. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com to prepare. MyPatriotSupply.com do the letters IRS give you anxiety? I'm Dan Pilla. I've defended people from the IRS for more than 40 years. My book, How to Get Tax Amnesty, created the tax resolution industry and is responsible for helping hundreds of thousands of people. It can help you, too. If you're a non-filer or facing IRS enforcement right now, your case is unique. You need real help, not cookie-cutter advice. My clients get my personal attention. Buy my book at danpilla.com and get a free consultation directly with me. That's danpilla.com. Let's start solving your tax problem right now. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? $92,000. Ouch. And the IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how'd it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. (laughs) I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes... Take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now. 800-503-8625. 800-503-8625. 800 Tea Club's original Pure Pau Arco Super Tea comes from the only tree in the world that fungus doesn't grow on. As a result, it naturally has antifungal, anti-infection, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-inflammation, and anti Antiparasite properties. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system. And it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. A one-pound package of tea is $34.95 plus shipping. To order, please visit shopsupertea.com. That's shop, S-H-O-P, super, S-U-P-E-R, T-T-E-A, dot com. So the complete website is shopsupertea.com. Or call us at 818-984-6100, Monday through Saturday, 9 to 5, California time. 
That's shopsupertea.com at 818-984-6100. This is Jacques Vallée, you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Of course, in general, if one wants to be cynical, life doesn't seem to have much value these days at all. We've got billions of people and maybe some want to say, let's just get rid of a few leftovers or something. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a bit of a paradox there, isn't there, David? I mean, you know, while human beings are amazing, we're also one of the biggest problems for the nature on the planet, aren't we? Yeah, I mean, we are a problem. And we are, this is not quite the same as the biblical paradox that the humanity is a little bit less than God, as the psalmist says but also that we are dust, and to dust shall we return. That's our paradox. We are dust. We are meat. We are rot and stink. And yet we are rational, sentient beings who are capable of love, And whenever anybody says, well, we, you know, so many people can just might as well just die, we intuitively recoil from this, that it's a horrible anti-human sentiment. Well, this gets into philosophy and, you know, like the trolley problem. Death is something that we have to face and, and trying to weigh our decisions based on whether a few should die now to prevent the deaths of more later, that, that's that got to be a really hard decision. Trying to weigh all of those things is very difficult. But at some, at some point, I think that we do have to face the fact that, well, people do die. And it's probably more important that we not only try to save the people that we can immediately, but that we think about those who are going to be impacted in the future about the decisions we make in the now. Now, these are very difficult questions, and I want to come back from them to your experience and share another response that I had, which is that the silence of the natural world. I assume that first there were the sounds of birds chirping, cicadas and whatnot. Am I imagining it wrong? There was the typical sounds of a forest, yeah. uh, including a, the sound of a brook off in, somewhat yeah. in the distance, the, the leaves, the wind. In, and, of course, here we are dealing with symbolism, the wind in the tree. It, it's definitely some birds. Just There's all kinds of sounds out in the forest. There might seem like a quiet place if you're not paying attention but when you do yeah and so when it's gone when it suddenly stops it's noticeable i mean that to me suggests what jenny randalls used to call the oz factor in ufo experiences and also definitely and, and also the 
experiences, which I think are still ongoing, of the young people who have visions of the Virgin at Medjugorje in uh, what used to be Yugoslavia. I think it's, I think it's now Croatia, where I mean this combines a number of problems. One is that these young people, when they see the Virgin, their eyes seem to be fixed on the same spot, as though they're seeing something that they're 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 all seeing the same thing that's physically present outside them, yet no one else is able to see it. And that when these visions go on, the birds are silent. And I posted on this, and I got a response from one reader who said she was there. And yes, that is a phenomenon that she has observed, the silence of the birds. uh, This is such an excellent conversation. I'm so glad to have you back on the show, David. Uh, Yeah, I mean, other people who have experienced similar things, that they know there's not really a way to give it justice trying to describe it. It is like all I, I can say, and I've had a lot of really strange experiences in the world, but but this really is up there at, at, at the top of the list. You know, maybe on one day there might be one or two that, that change places with it, but but uh, yeah, definitely an all-time amazing thing. And I've kept it mostly to myself because it just sounds so way out there. Like, you know, maybe like I'm like I'm as if I'm some sort of a religious nut or something, but I'm not even a religious person. I've never been a religious person. Uh, I, I went to Sunday school, but, and at, at, when I was young and you know, the, the characters in the Bible were like my first superheroes and stuff, but you know, it's this experience was nothing like like um, the typical thing that you would t- talk to a, a preacher about necessarily. And I've tried, and I think some of them didn't even believe me. They would just look at me like, "Okay, well, <laughs> no, that's which I find very curious." Yeah, I, 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 I just did as too. interesting as the story itself. Well, I, yeah, I did too. You know, I, I thought that if anything, these are the people that would want to hear it, and yet they they were the ones who were mo- the most skeptical and and disinterested and and sort of denying of that I'd had an experience that had anything to do with their particular God, and so maybe that was part of that. You know, you. It's not important which church you go to. Well, if you're talking to someone in a church, that really undermines their position then, doesn't it? Yeah, and especially if someone who is quite unchurched can encounter God. And But, but I think wouldn't a lot of people, in a, it must have had to start somewhere. I do believe people have had these experiences. Before there was a church, people were having these experiences. People are still having them. There's probably other people out there who have had similar experiences and don't want to talk about them either. Okay, and then we circle back to my own hobby horse, which is that these things have been happening for centuries, but only in the space age. Do we externalize them as ETs? Maybe that's because that's what they are. I mean, it, there was nothing preventing, and this 
what happened to me if these beings have the ability to put sounds into our minds there's what's preventing them from putting images into our minds as well they could have some sort of cloaked ship up there and be beaming all this directly into people's minds selectively so that some people see them and experience it and other people don't And, and i'm thinking that sounds almost crazier than the idea of God, but really, I mean, we've got technology that can do very similar things already. We can selectively beam sounds into people's heads from a distance. And we've got active camouflage that can make things like, you know, for the military is using them, that can disguise machinery to look like the background. And if you can make it look like the background, you can make it look like anything. So <laughs> I'm thinking, why, why, why couldn't it be something interstellar? And they just have a technology that's able to do all this. But at what let is, me ask you a question here before David chimes in. But at what scale is this being done? I can see if they're doing this here and there every so often, and they have some reason either to do some kind of psychological testing of those primitive earthlings or for whatever purpose that we do not understand because we're dealing with alien beings that may differ from us in ways we cannot imagine. But as I said, maybe on a small scale yet, that would possibly make sense. But at what scale do we see this happening? If we're seeing thousands of UFO cases per year, does it mean they're all over the place running their holographic machines and they're doing all this stuff and monitoring how we react, at some point in time, they would have gotten enough information to say, okay, now we know how Earthlings react. Let us go on to step two, whatever that's going to be, rather than repeat step one over and over and over and over again, or forget this crazy planet and go somewhere else and repeat the routine. So that's the question of logic here. If it is ET with holographic images at one point, have they done what they intended to do? At what point do they move on to do something else in their lives? Good question. David Halpern joining us. He has some fascinating columns at davidhalpern.net, including UFOs and the Bible. With Gina Randall, you're in The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com.
The following is a paid announcement. The advertiser was paid a marketing fee for a digital campaign. Please make sure to review our disclaimer on our report page. The pet industry saw nearly $99 billion in sales in 2020, and pet food accounted for about $38.4 billion in sales. This vibrant market keeps growing, and you can find out which companies are leading the charge with your free research report from Avid Market Traders. Text PET to 48542. We've discovered that a potential multi-billion dollar growth opportunity has tails wagging over a company that incorporates functional pet food ingredients that offer proven health benefits for pet owners around the world. And that means hyper growth in the market for domestic and international pet owners. If you're a pet owner, text the word pet to 48542 to get this red hot market intelligence delivered to your mobile device. Text pet to 48542 for your free research from Avid Market Traders. Get the best for your investment strategy and for your pet when you text pet to 48542. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So, Robotic Randall, what's your answer to my questions or concerns? How widespread could this possibly be? And and I think David can chime in here, too, because... I. If we look at this in a historical perspective, and David, I know that you're a scholar and a professor of religious history. Let's suppose that they selectively have a number of people that to have these experiences and then monitor it over time. Well, look at what has happened. They've become the world's great religions over time, and they would need to monitor this ripple effect of these experiences on the entire population over entire generations. And when we look at the history of religion and the the prevalence of these types of phenomena within it, it seems to fit the picture. Now, I know that you're resisting it because you don't want to go to the, these are material craft, these are real beings, these are potentially interstellar. I'm just saying it could be, and that it fits the picture. And you don't need a lot of craft, you just maybe need a few of them, and they travel very quickly, so they could be seen in more than one place over the course of a day or a time or a week. Well, I think you would have to answer for yourself the question, I think you've already answered it. Whether it makes more sense that extraterrestrial visitors should have had that deep human caring about you versus either your own inner wisdom or some sort of a deity, some sort of, I won't even use the word deity, some sort of an entity that's almost a big brother, a big sibling to human beings and who naturally cares about us. Because the main thing that comes across to me from your story is the caring. Yeah, well, it mattered that that I survive and that I'm alive. But when you think about it logically, let's suppose I'm part of a a long-term experiment where they decide that certain people are going to have these experiences so that they can monitor them over time to see what happens. And in some cases, they become prophets and entire religious movements start and whatever. I mean, that's the last thing I want to to see happen here. But 
and and why I didn't talk to a lot of people about it. But but the point is, is that if I decide that I'm going to kill myself, that whole experiment is over, right? So so it would be in their interest to make sure that I stay alive and to give me a reason, right? Now that doesn't mean that what they were saying wasn't true. And this is one of the most important things that I came away with from the whole experience as well, is that truth matters. Okay. Right? Like, I, it's, it's something I, I believe in very deeply, and it's not the most popular view these days. Oh, God, isn't it? Well, let's talk about that a little bit then. So for you, David, what do you mean – what is your version of truth? How do you look at, at the subject like when you say something is true, what does it mean to you? Ooh, the I keep wanting to say, "Darn it! Don't you know what I mean?" It means that it's true, <laughs> but you know, I think that it is something out there that will not go away. What is? I keep thinking of those lines from the Rubaiyat that all your piety and wit shall not erase a line, nor all your tears wash out a word of it, that whether we like it or not, it is the reality which we will keep encountering, as in, as we learned very bitterly for the past year or so, as with COVID. Ah, no doubt. That's a, that's a, a really sort of poetic way of looking at it from the, from the correspondence theory of truth, where if, if we can call truth to be uh, at least an approximation of what the case is. So somebody yeah. says, okay, this is, this is the way things are, and it happens to be the case that things are the way that they are claimed to be, then we can say that the claim is true. Yeah, yeah. That, my, that the instruments I'm flying by are telling me the truth, and the proof is that I don't fly the plane into the ground. But okay, now, but you made a really interesting comment about it. It seems that people are having a tough time with the concept of truth these days. And of course, Gene, you know, with all of the politics that go on, and then we were talking about coronavirus. Why do people get so upset when someone says, well, okay, I know that you're making this certain claim, but the evidence doesn't seem to back that up, and therefore it doesn't look like it's likely to be true. Why do people get upset when you say that instead of saying, oh, what evidence? Tell me more. I mean, to my answer would be that you, you, you can't give a global answer, but in each case that somebody that somebody has a belief that makes makes him worthwhile or her worthwhile and that if that belief happens to be false you will get violent reactions if you force them to give it up i mean i think we're seeing this i i i, I feel like i'm treading into dangerous territory but we're we're seeing this with what came out last summer with taking down confederate statues that yes, I think most people would agree that the Confederates fought however nobly and however selflessly and however heroically for an evil system. But if you are 
a southerner and if you are a if your self-identity is tied up with that part of the country it becomes very difficult for you to acknowledge that without taking the further step to i am flawed i am evil people will do almost anything rather than take that step okay so what <sighs> Okay, so I guess it it means that they're just not seeing that by taking the step, they're actually becoming closer to goodness or reality instead of further away. They just can't make that connection. Yeah, yeah, which is why I get very hesitant when I hear about statues being torn down. And buildings being renamed. Yes, there is a justice in that. But is there wisdom? I don't think so. In that it doesn't take into account, okay, here's that word again, the truth of human nature. Yeah, I think maybe what we're dealing with there, too, is a different kind of truth than sort of simple objective verification of a thing. That would be more like the coherence theory of truth, where something isn't simply true because it's claimed to be true and it happens to be the case, but that it it requires a framework. So, uh, in other words, if if we say that it's true that it's this thing represents something that is evil and therefore it should be destroyed, then there needs to be a coherent framework about our concepts of of good and evil to justify the truth that it should be should be taken down yeah Yeah, i'm not even sure that that is a truth it's a it's a choice and i mean i i can okay okay, i'm gonna ride my own hobby horse here that I personally think the statues ought to come down, but not torn down. I think they should be honorably buried. With <laughs> yeah, yeah, that the that these were statues of the the statues of the Confederate leaders of the Confederacy. These were men who struggled nobly for what they were convinced was right, and that has to be honored. Let's do our break here. More to come with Gene Randall David. You're in the Paracast. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First game attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. 
The following is a paid announcement. The advertiser was paid a marketing fee for a digital campaign. Please make sure to review our disclaimer on our report page. The new year is here, and the time is now to capitalize on the unprecedented boom in the U.S. markets. If you're following EV stocks, then you may know that this potential $3 trillion marketplace depends on graphite for next-generation energy cells. You can get free up-to-the-minute research on the stocks that are leading the way in this red-hot sector with your free subscription to Avid Metals Research Report when you text the word HOT to 48542. Developments in the electric vehicle market are compelling, but investors know we're running short on lithium and graphite supply. Did you know we could also be running short of cobalt? Cobalt is used in chemical production and is one of the critical elements needed to make the EV power source. Research suggests there's not enough ability to mine and process the material to meet demand. We've identified a strategically well-positioned company that could lead the way in solving this critical problem. Get your free research from the Metals Research Report when you text HOT to 48542. Text HOT to 48542. We've all seen and perhaps use the alcohol-based hand sanitizers. Have you noticed how it dries your skin, and as soon as the alcohol evaporates, it's no longer effective? GCNteam.com has alcohol-free antibacterial soap and foam meeting or exceeding all requirements set forth by the United States Food and Drug Administration. Come to GCNteam.com keyword antibacterial or call 877-878-4203. Now with orders to stay at home, public health concerns, the reality of illness due to pathogens and viruses, your health is at an all-time high risk. That's why it's critical to take a proactive approach to boost your immune system. You can with new nano-colloidal silver from AmeriCare. Our patented process with tiny silver particles, one one-hundredth the size of a red blood cell, allows for maximum body absorption. AmeriCare's nano-colloidal silver effectively disinfects your body internally, attacking pathogens and viruses while supercharging your immune system. Colloidal silver is antibacterial and antiviral. Simply put, it prohibits bacterial respiration, suffocating viral cells, preventing the virus from replicating. And now, due to public health concern, AmeriCare is authorized to offer our lowest and best price ever, around a dollar a day. But supplies are limited. Purchase nano-colloidal silver now at ImmuneSupportNow.com. That's ImmuneSupportNow.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Supplies are limited. Frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNLoans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNLoans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNLoans.com. That's GCNLoans.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. We're really into the political realm here when we get to those statues, and I'd rather move away into very sensible very yeah because what happens here is we are accused sometimes of being political when we're not like someone wrote me about that we at one time on the show i don't remember ever saying anything about this discussed world war ii and the fact that japanese americans were interred in camps occupation camps camps whatever such as george takai the guy who played sulo on star trek he grew up 
in one of those internment camps as a Japanese-American, born in America. Now, there are political issues we can talk about, but that's a matter of history. I don't know why it has to be put into politics. We're talking about the paranormal here. We're talking about strange phenomena. Talk about strange phenomena in the Bible. Talking about other things. But let me ask you, as someone who is not a biblical expert, nor do I play one on TV or radio, I don't make those claims. I consider you the expert, David. What parts of the Bible should I accept as history and what parts as myth, other than Adam and Eve, of course? Are there aspects there that you would regard as absolute history in whatever limitations of the process of recording it tell us about things that really happened way back when? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. I think that the uh, political histories of the kingdoms of Israel and Judah in the books of Kings are basically reality-based. Uh, they certainly have their biases and their limitations, but I think they can tell us about what actually objectively went on in antiquity. The books of the prophets all come from an historical context, and I think they accurately reflect those contexts, like the book, uh, the book of Jeremiah, the books of Ezekiel, these are reasonable mirrors of an actual political crisis that befell the Judean kingdom in uh, at the beginning of the 6th century BCE. So yeah, I think there's a lot of history in the Bible as well as a lot of myth and also a lot of history that's recast and reimagined as myth. Sitting 2,700 years later, how do we verify what happened in 600 BC? A consensus of different descriptions? Well, to me, the question is, how did these documents come into existence? Say the book of Ezekiel or the book of Jeremiah. Does it make most sense to imagine that they are what they claim to be, which is the imagined messages of God received by certain men during times of political crisis? And I would say yes, that we can most plausibly, most easily explain their coming into existence if we take them more or less at face value. Other books, like the book of Daniel, which is almost certainly a uh, book written long after the events it purports to describe, and reflecting a totally different uh, historical uh, situation, uh, there we understand it better if we do not accept its claims about itself. So to me, the fundamental datum is that these documents exist and that their existence, their coming into existence, requires explanation. Oh, okay, so this is all woven together in a way that is hard to separate because you know, we start off talking about something that is, is very paranormal, possibly alien, maybe aliens coming here. We're talking about craft. And and then it moves into these experiences uh, in the, that involve a collective unconscious, archetypes, religious symbolism, and then religion is tied to politics and truth and belief. And so the whole thing is really hard to separate from each other when you start looking at it in those terms. It's, it's not easy to just say, okay, fine, UFOs are nuts and bolts craft and 
put them on a you know a stand over here and Ezekiel's wheel is something completely different and put it on a stand over there and say they have no relationship to each other. And I do as a matter of fact I do think they have a relationship that both are encounters with the transcendent, both are encounters with something beyond what's recognized by the experiencer's conscious mind, which Ezekiel conventionalizes as visions of the tribal God, and the modern experiencers conventionalize as E.T. And it's, of course, it's, it's related to religion, and religion is related to social structure and social structures related to politics. One of the things you say uh, on your website as well is that uh, it was June 1947. This coincides with the birth of the modern era in ufology, was that it was the month that the doomsday clock first appeared on the cover yes. of the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists. Yes. And, and so it, it became you know significant for you that UFOs became a cultural phenomena when the possibility of the collective death of the species through nuclear warfare became real. And it's, it's definitely a part of the, the background of the contactee movement and people who've experienced alien abductions where we are told, take better care of the planet. Do not engage in warfare. The, the whole nuclear thing is a bad idea. But it's also very political. It's hugely political. Well, that's really who we are as human beings, right? I mean, we are individuals with our own unconscious, which I think plugs into the collective unconscious, but also there is an individual unconscious. We are human beings with our own individual crises that are, in your case, addressed by an unknown entity and and addressed in a way that you were able to find meaning in continuing to live. And yet you, like me, like us all, are part of a are part of a network grounded in the historical truth of our cultures and and so again we see that the uh, the experience of of seeing these flying discs in the sky and UFOs coincides again with this idea of uh, a large scale a destruction of our species or a death. And perhaps in some cases, it can just be an individual thing. I find this actually really quite fascinating. Then your idea on the collective unconscious with in relation to that experience that I was describing earlier, that would mean that somewhere in my brain, I have this wiring that it just is, it lies beneath the surface and when it's needed in that particular case, it became active and created this experience for me. And that, that sort of gives some validity to this idea that I had that it's actually some kind of an advanced defense mechanism that's hardwired into our minds. That is really, really interesting in and of itself. We've got more to come with David, Gene, and Randall. You're in the Paracast. listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. 
Power grid failures and natural disasters, they happen too often now. Will financial collapse be next? What kind of emergency plan do you have for the next sudden food shortage? If you don't, it's time to prepare. At MyPatriotSupply.com, we make it easy for you. Our emergency food storage kits stay fresh for up to 25 years. They ship fast and discreetly to your door. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com to prepare. MyPatriotSupply.com Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. Silverlungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs generator and lung delivery system at Silverlungs.com. That's Silverlungs.com. USA Radio News with Dan Naraki. The Senate has passed President Biden's $1.9 trillion COVID relief plan. The bill passed along party lines Saturday morning by a 50 to 49 vote. Before the final vote, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell criticized the Democrats for rushing through a bill without any GOP support. He said the previous five stimulus bills were written with bipartisan support, but he accused Democrats of taking advantage of a crisis for this measure. Five rescue packages totaling $4 trillion. And none of them got fewer than 90 votes. The Senate wrote the CARES Act, Republicans and Democrats shoulder to shoulder. That was the road to real pandemic relief, but Democrats actually wanted, Mr. President, something else. They explained their intent very clearly to exploit this crisis, quote, as a tremendous opportunity to restructure things to fit our vision. This is USA Radio News. The Senate on Saturday passed the president's $1.9 trillion COVID relief plan. The bill passed along party lines by a 50 to 49 vote. Following the bill's passage, President Biden thanked those senators who voted for it, saying it was something that the country urgently needed. I want to thank all of the senators who worked so hard to reach a compromise to do the right thing for the American people during this crisis and voted to pass the American Rescue Plan. It obviously wasn't easy. It wasn't always pretty. But it was so desperately needed, urgently needed. The Senate version of the bill contains $1,400 stimulus checks for many Americans, though the income cutoffs have been lowered from the House version. Federal unemployment benefits have also been extended, but at a lower level than in the original proposal. Another $400 billion of funding is being provided for vaccinations, expanded COVID testing, the hiring of more workers to administer vaccines, and funding to support hospitals. The bill now goes back to the House for final approval. This is USA Radio News. Stop aging now. Restore those joints. Boost your strength. Because it's official. Nutramedical has released the most exciting, powerful anti-aging supplement on the market. Dr. Bill Deagle's Red Deer Velvet DR has been approved by the U.S. Patent Office. Imagine stem cell rejuvenation all in one capsule without huge expense. Dr. Bill MD discovered that as an unborn baby grows in the mother's womb, he or she does not deteriorate or physically age. Red Deer Velvet DR, like the uterus, provides 300 biomolecules and six hormones protected in one special DR capsule that delivers lipid packages directly into your circulation. This patented technology bypasses the stomach and is released into the small bowel unaltered by digestive enzymes and stomach acid. Remember, Red Deer Velvet DR. Improve endurance, stimulate your immune system, increase learning ability, and even improve sexual libido with Red Deer Velvet DR. Click NutriMedical.com. That's N-U-T-R-I Medical.com. Or call toll-free 888-212-8871 and get on the road to a newer, rejuvenated, happier you. 
Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Okay, so we have to assume the wiring in Randall's brain has not become frayed. People say that about me. I'm kidding. David, seriously, you had a response to what Randall said in the previous segment? Yeah, that, that this is something that I would insist on, Randall, which is that if it was not an external entity, but rather I would call it your own deepest wisdom, that does not diminish the power or the importance of your experience one iota. Oh, I'm sure many neurologists, neuroscientists, psychologists would agree with you. Uh, it's it. Is <laughs> something definitely worth studying? I, I think in people who have these experiences. But yeah. then again, I, I there are just too many people that, that see something real that seems to be objectively real. And like we said before, leaves traces, can be tracked on radar. So if we accept the fact that alien visitation is a reality, then maybe it's not just all in our mind. Maybe there really is an external cause to this. As, which Jung was quite prepared to entertain. That it is possible that actual machines give rise to psychological projections. Now, just to point to that, when the book came out, apparently there was some communication between Major Donald Kehoe of NICAP and Dr. Jung. And that's where, at least one of the versions I've heard, he said that, yes, there is this physical possible aspect here about UFOs, ex- having an external reality, not just being collective unconscious. Keo was concerned I've, about that because Keo was a, was a guy who pushed for spaceships. I've never heard that story about Keo, but it was to, a version of it was told by Charles Lindbergh, the aviator, that he had met Jung in 1959 and was... Uh, was looking forward to having a discussion with him about the psychological aspects of these non-existent flying saucers. And Jung said, I'm sorry, they really do exist. When Lindbergh quoted uh, General Spatz, uh, the the general of the army is saying, uh, Slim, don't you think if there were these things flying around, don't you think we'd know about it by this time? Which is sort of my argument that, that uh, Jung said, there are things going on in this world that you and General Spatz don't know about. <laughs> yeah. Which is, 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 to me, is clearly Hamlet's, uh, there are more things in heaven and earth ratio than dreamt of in yeah. your philosophy, exactly. which Jung's mentor, Sigmund <laughs> Freud, used to use as a mantra. Yes, exactly. And, and this reminds me again of Jerry Clark and, and the discussion we were having the other day where he's taken the emergent view that, yes, there's something that is much stranger, larger, and more complex than than we can wrap our heads around that is behind some of this stuff. He, he doesn't discount that there could be actual interstellar craft visiting us, but that even, and this is probably the point that I should have brought up during that interview, is that maybe even they, the aliens that are flying those craft, are experiencing the same sort of thing on their level, and they don't know what it is either. Now, that would be intriguing. 
I'm, I'm sure somebody has written a science fiction story about that. Don't you think that the aliens have their own transcendent? Well, we're not supposed to mention Star Trek, but we do anyway. And of, of course, we have the sci-fi world of Star Trek and the Federation, and, and they encounter beings that are on various levels above our present state of evolution. And they finally get to one where they call it the Q continuum, where they're able to manipulate entire solar systems, perhaps most of the universe. It's, it's unclear just how much power they have, but it's, it's huge. So there seems to be a hierarchy you know, of, of this level of, of Godhead. Do you think, then, that UFOs are supernatural or not? Do you, or, like, I don't believe that. Do you believe in the supernatural? No, I don't believe anything is supernatural. And if God exists, I don't believe he's supernatural. And if the Virgin Mary exists, I don't believe she, you know, I know she once existed, but if she exists now, I don't believe she's supernatural because I believe everything is subject to natural law. This is okay. why I don't believe in God as conventionally, as I see it conventionally imagined, the God who can violate the rules, his own rules. But conceivably, there is a God who is just as subject to perhaps rules that have uh, totally, what would you say, totally autonomous existence, which if, if you're an atheist, you have to assume that, that the, the universe is orderly, not because any God said it that way, but because that's just the way the universe is. So if there are, you know, if giant squids exist and, uh, you know, huge bears that are mistaken for abominable snowmen, then uh, why shouldn't God be in there somewhere? Sure, or, or something that we would conceive it to be. I really like your approach, David, and it's it's very similar to my own in that when you, we talk about nature and, and mother nature, this is, of course— you know, the feminine side of, of creation, if, if we look at nature as being the background that yeah, the rest of yeah. the gods park their thrones in, and those gods kind of act like the painters and the sculptors, you know, there's nothing saying that, that nature created the, the environment and these other beings came along and created a bunch of other phenomena and maybe stars, planets, and all of the rest of it. I mean, that's an that's a possibility. But at, at the very top of it, even above them, is nature itself. Which does not exist except as an abstraction of the eternal laws. Would that be correct? I guess it would be what we kind of refer to as the, the mystery of existence itself. Yeah. Why should there be existence and not and not non-existence? Why should and why should the laws apply? Right at at a, at a certain point, we don't get to answer that question, and I think that that comes down to some of the questions about consciousness itself. When when people say, "Well, where does it come from? How did yes. it get here? Why is it here?" Well, at a certain point, we just have to accept that it's just the way that things are. I know that many people try to find ways in which consciousness can evolve from more primitive 
brain functions of 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 lower creatures and i suppose really that is the the, the in a way i find that compelling since it's not like we conscious human beings are separate from everything else we're part of a continuum that extends down to creatures that you you couldn't possibly call be called conscious in any normal sense of the word and yet at the same time i am sympathetic to those people who want to make consciousness a primordial existence fundamental yeah i, th- I think would be something like, like david chalmers would call it yeah. and and absolutely i mean there's no reason that it can't be both yeah you know, I, mean, I, I, I drive people crazy with the analogy to electromagnetism for example we know that the electromagnetic force exists everywhere but it only really manifests itself when you have certain things that are put together in a certain way in other words you can't take some plastic fishing line and wrap it around a wooden core and hook a battery up to it and get anything it needs to be a conductive material like copper around something like an iron core. And as soon as you put those materials together, all of a sudden you get this magical thing called a magnetic field. We're going to zap in a minute here, but now we're going to have to zig. No, no, be zigging and zagging. More to come with Gene Randall and David. You're in. The Paracast. for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Hey listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I started fighting the IRS over 40 years ago when they tried to seize my mother's house. I sued the IRS and won. I beat the IRS then, and I've been beating them ever since. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I've helped thousands of people deal with tax problems they thought might never be solved. I can help you, too. If you owe taxes you can't pay, don't wait another day. There's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. Anytime, any place, anywhere, radio remains the most intimate of all forms of media. At home, at work, in the car, on smartphones. Over 90% of consumers still listen to radio every week. That makes choosing radio as a place to advertise your business one of the best decisions you can make. Email advertise at GCNlive.com and partner up with an experienced GCN representative. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. 
Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? $92,000. Ouch. And the IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how'd it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. (laughs) I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes... Take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now. 800-503-8625. 800-503-8625. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the dead doctors don't lie guy. There's no reason why you shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. And I'm going to give you a free copy of my lecture that tells you exactly how to do it. In fact, after you've lived a long and healthy life, there should be only two documents in your medical chart, a birth certificate and a death certificate. I'm Dr. Wallach with a warning. If you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol, high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, and other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. My free lecture is going to reveal what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. It's all in my free lecture called Deadly Recipe. So call toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. Again, that's toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. 1-855-79-YOUNG. This is Robert Hastings, author of UFOs and Nukes, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We have David Halperin joining us, the ostensible topic of discussion with UFOs in the Bible, and suddenly we get into the concepts of reality, and where that takes us, reality, what a concept. Who said that? Anyway, Randall, you have further comment? Right. Just before the break, we were talking about how things can be both fundamental and emergent at the same time because of the way that the situations need to be put together for them to manifest themselves. I mean, I guess what is striking me after what Gene said is how we start with UFOs, and I would think we move through alienness. And move to the question of what we are as human beings, what our consciousness is, whether there is a God, if so, what kind of God that is. And I think all of these are the really deep mysteries that are latent within the UFO mystery and that come out if you probe it most deeply. Indeed. I think you also say... UFOs are about transcending boundaries, and we've talked a bit about that already, but that's really what what happens. And Gene, you've said something similar. UFOs are here to make us think. And so they, they do this. I mean, are they doing it intentionally, though, David? Are, are they? Is there a process or uh, an intent behind it? 
or is this, is it just I have a hard time thinking it's just this hard wiring that goes on inside our brain when well, it the, seems like an, an external intent to it to me you know it's like something else is guiding us we, we even in religion when we're talking about religion and UFOs well religion is followers followers of something external something greater than oneself something transcendent of of our individual selves i mean how can it be transcendent of our individual selves but still have something to do with the hardwiring in our brain yeah that sounds like a contradiction i'm wondering if we can take it as a paradox which is a contradiction that you have the the gut sense resolves itself if you can move your thinking to a higher level. Like the paradox I spoke of earlier about the human being who is a product of random evolutionary processes and yet is a thinking, feeling, loving creature. I was going to say unlike any other creature, but heck, there are animals in which feeling and loving, and perhaps also thinking, manifest themselves. I wonder if they have similar visions of strange things. I mean, they say animals can sense what we are loosely calling the paranormal. You know, there's people that believe that they can see ghosts. There's people that believe that animals have spirits that go on to an afterlife. There does seem to be experimental evidence that animals can dream. Oh, certainly. I mean, I think if you've ever owned my dog used to dream all the time. <laughs> he was chasing something. I'm not sure what, but he definitely, you know, you could see the little paws twitching and little growls and stuff like that going on. So, oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I wrote in Intimate Alien that the UFO mystery is an aspect of the ancient and insoluble mystery of who we are. All right. I suppose there's no way to prove this because it comes, it, it's almost a parallel to the whole brain in a vat problem in that, okay, then let's suppose that a creature with a brain that's not like ours, like an artificial intelligence, for example, something based on silicon that, that has no consciousness. It might be really intelligent, but intelligence and consciousness are two entirely different things. Would it be able to see a UFO or detect a UFO might be a better way to put it? I am going to guess no. Okay, that may be just my bias. <laughs> but I think we do not see the UFO with our intellects, but with what is mushily called the heart or the soul. And I do not mean to imply by that necessarily that the soul has a discrete existence, but only that there's some aspect of our humanity that is open to seeing the UFO, which the mind, the intellect, is not. How then, if, if this is the case, let's suppose that there are two different experiential types here, one that is entirely subjective and another that is objective. How do we differentiate between the two? My answer is I don't, and I call Socorro and the radar, the radar sightings, the radar visual sightings temporarily 
unsolved problems. But I can see why others would not be satisfied to do that. There's nothing about that then, and we don't have much time left, but there's nothing about that then that would make you rethink your primary theory because of the exceptions? No. Then again, how do we tell this to the Pentagon UAP task force that has to deliver a report according to the congressional (laughs) mandate there by, what, end of June, early July? What are they going to say? Well, I think their only question is, is there, are the Russians and the Chinese invading our airspace? And the answer is no. Well, that's the whole issue. I, I agree with you that if you look at the comments they've made, their primary concern is not whether E.T. is visiting us, but whether this represents a threat to national security, and they would be thinking in terrestrial terms then. Yeah, as they were back in the 1950s. But this is what, of course, confounds the UFO researcher. And that is, we look at some other kind of cause, internal, paranormal, whatever, spaceships, time travelers, whatever. But over the years, even though I'm sure some people in the military and government felt that way, the primary issue was threats to national security. And if there is none, that's the end of the story. Yeah. As far as they're concerned, for me, it's the beginning. Fascinating. Thank you both. I've, uh, this, was, this was an extraordinary conversation. That's because you came and were involved in it. For those who want to know more about the things that David Halpern does, take a minute or so and tell us how we can find more about you. Go to my website, www.davidhalpern.net. Get hold of my book, Intimate Alien, The Hidden Story of the UFO. What have you got in the works for the next few months? Working on a novel about the Yom Kippur War in Israel in 1973. I do remember that. I remember what radio station I was working at when that happened. In any case, you can find us. I was working in Coatesville, Pennsylvania, by the way, Um, which probably wasn't super far from where you were living. In any case... I was in Jerusalem at the time. Oh, you were. Oh, boy. There is a story there, I'll tell you. Yes. You can find us on Twitter if you look for the Paracast. You can find us on Facebook if you look for two Paracast fan clubs. We haven't joined the more extreme social networks yet or ever. That's more than enough. You want to get branded merchandise at the Paracast, go to theparacast.shop. That's theparacast.shop where we have the T-shirts and the throw pillows and all great stuff. High-quality merchandise with your choice of any one of four different logos, including designed by our friend Randall here. Go to the Paracast.shop, the Paracast.shop. We're running very, very, very low on the coupon codes for a free copy of the James Fox UFO documentary, The Phenomenon, with three hours of extras. They're available if you subscribe to the Paracast Plus for five years or a lifetime. And lifetime could be a long time. We've done 15 years of this show so far, and we're not slowing down. So to find out more about signing up for the Paracast Plus and maybe getting that coupon code while it lasts, go check out the Paracast.plus. We give you the After the Paracast podcast. We never know what's going to happen next. We give you the Paracast free of the network ads with better audio. 
All these goodies, check out the Paracast.plus for more. David Halpern, thank you for joining us on the Paracast. Thank you for having me. The Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast. <laughs>